You're listening to the City of London Symphonia Summer Holidays podcast. In this episode, Chief Executive Matthew Swan brings you all the details of our summer activities, including King of Ghosts at Shakespeare's Globe, our Grand Organ Gala and Masses at St Paul's Cathedral, Op Holland Park's 2017 season, and our Reformation Day performance at the BBC Proms. So, summer is over. Uh, we thought we'd let you know what CLS have been up to on our summer holidays before our autumn season gets into full swing. Earlier in the summer, you already had an insight into our Opera Holland Park season in our Views from the Pit podcast. These are still available on the website. But right now, we're going to be talking about King of Ghosts with Shoemake Data at the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse, which took place back in June. Great collaboration and partnership with Shakespeare's Globe. Uh, and hopefully we have some upcoming projects with Shoemick in the Globe. You'll hear me chatting to Bill Barclay in a bit, but first you'll hear from Jane Cowardine, who's our principal second violin, and Ruth Gibson, who's our newly appointed sub-principal viola, to tell you a bit about the performances. project I'm really enjoying it and it's all done by candlelight so it's a fantastic effect but the film was um, made in the 60s apparently, so it's black and white apart from about the last couple of scenes where apparently somebody gave him some money and he was able to do a bit of colour but apparently it came a cult film especially it's especially for children they, they loved it and, and then it got lost and that's been resurrected and a new score's been written by Zubik and uh, we're doing it the first time as a sextet whereas before it was done with a big orchestra. And it's been great, really enjoyed playing, and it's so wonderful playing with somebody who can improvise so beautifully and all the Indian idioms and sounds. It's, it's very exciting. The challenges are you've got to really keep your wits about you because you, you can't lose any links, otherwise we get out with the film. So we've got a click track in our ear, so we've got headphones on, and we've got to follow that as well as each other. And it's just remembering all the cues it's not just straightforward so so it just gets a bit of it takes a little while just to get used to that and get into it but it's um keeps you on your toes for me i always like working with different artists i think the moment you have two different kind of genres or two different artists come together, or three, um, you get the most out of each other because you're pushing limits and you're changing things up. I mean, at the start of the rehearsal, Bill's first thing he said to us was, you know, there's no ego here, so if you have any questions, any ideas, any changes, you know, just say. What you work with usually in an orchestral situation where you have to be more strategic and thinking about your place and when you should stop and ask the conductor and not. You know, here it was much more free and I think that came across in the performance, or at least I hope it did. I'm sat here in the beautiful environs of the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse at the Globe Theatre on the South Bank of London with Bill Barclay, who is Director of Music here. That's correct. Yeah. So we had a, an amazing concert, a real sort of, you know, shivers down the back of your neck, goosebump concert with, with Sumit Data. Mm-hmm. Last night, there's another performance of that concert tonight. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm really sorry, but you've missed it. Although we, we are hoping we can work with Shumik in the future. 
But it just might be worth you telling us, Bill, how the collaboration with, with Shimmick came about and, and, and why CLS got involved and etc. Sure. Well, Shimmick is one of those artists that just pops up in a lot of wonderful places. So he was on our radar earlier before he played here the first time. But then when we had our Anushka Shankar series, she was one of the people we went to first when this venue came online in 2013. Uh, end of 2013, early 2014. And we wanted to kick it off by welcoming as many different kinds of people here as possible. So that's, we had the Royal Opera here doing Lormendo. Uh, we had the London Jazz Festival here. Obviously, we were doing our own plays here. But then we wanted to christen it by starting a concert series, which we called Candlelit Concerts. Surprise, surprise, it's entirely lit by candles. Um, and you did make the point last night that I think it was 34 degrees in London yesterday. And you thanked the audience for being here inside uh treated to 150 naked flames in 34 degrees <laughs> on the hottest night of the year yeah yeah anushka did four concerts here ranging from you know classical indian to very modern stuff uh and one of the performers she brought one of the many performers she brought was shimmick and 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 he was here for one half of one program with her and we just fell in love with him mm. he's incredibly generous He's incredibly gentle. His playing is absolutely extraordinary. And the Sarod isn't like the Citroën Tablas, where many people could probably rattle off three or four players in the world who they like and love. There aren't that many really well-known Sarod players. I'm, I'm listening to myself say this, thinking many of your listeners may disagree with me, because, of course, there are many people, and mm. uh, British Indian musicians who play the Sarod. But, but it, the flip side is, of course, a lot of people listening to this will be thinking... What on earth is a Sarod? Yeah. <laughs> what, what is a Sarod? <laughs> Fair enough. I describe the Sarod to people as like the, the Indian electric guitar, but that's mainly because that's kind of how it looks, and that's the way Schumach plays it. Mm. It's, a, it's a small sitar, so it's a horizontal, a lateral instrument you play, kind of in a guitar shape, but the, the, the fretboard is much wider than an electric guitar, and it's entirely made of metal. Schumick plugs it in every time he plays, which you typically have to do because it's a quiet instrument anyway. But then you'll see him at a rock gig with a whole guitar pedal board. And he's got distortion, he's got reverb, he's got compression. Um, and he's playing with bands, he's playing with um, uh, ethnic musicians from all over the world. And he's, a, he's an extraordinary pioneer of the instrument. And the King of Ghosts program is a real example of his mm. entrepreneurship, I think. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the program because it, it's an amazing thing. Mm. This this film and this live score, which is, has got the, the Sarod in it, it's got, I think Connor, the percussionist, is, is Irish, so he's coming from, from that school of music, and a classical string sextet in. So it's a real meeting. It's wild, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, real meeting of worlds. I was not a part when the score was created, but there was another element. So Cormac Byrne is an Irish percussionist who does a lot of, as you saw, a lot of other kit stuff, instruments, percussion instruments from all over the world. Although the centerpiece of it is the Bowron, the mm. Irish frame drum that he plays virtuosically, as you saw. And then there's Schimmick, obviously the British Bengali musician. And then there's a classical symphony orchestra, originally a 30-piece with wind and brass instruments. But then there's this composer, conductor Johannes Barrar, who's a, just a sort of young um, German composer who did the string arrangements, who is approaching it from sort of a, a very mid-20th century sort of lexicon of composition where there's a lot of um, not too extended technique stuff, but there's, a, there's, there's wonderful writing, tremolando writing, scherzando writing. You know, you see Sulpanticello, Flotando. Uh, there's even a Hopstimme um, indication, which is a Schoenberg uh, indication in a score 
for what the lead voice is in a very dense texture. So reading the score, I'm getting like 1950s, 1960s classical music, second Viennese school language, plus this Bengali artist, plus this Irish percussionist, mm. plus this 1950s black and white farce film. Yeah. With Sajid Ray, who I didn't know that well, uh, to for for people who are I don't know maybe twenty years older than I, I can see because they the pass by in the office here at the Global. I'm just watching the film. They go, "That's Satyajit Ray." I'm like, "How did you know that?" Well, apparently he was on television a lot in the '60s and '70s here, and his films were being shown. Black and white films were being shown. I didn't know who he was, but he's a hugely famous father mm. of sort of the golden age of of pre what we know as Bollywood cinema. Yeah. So it's not a musical, and it's a silent film. And this is not playing the original score or any version of the original score. This is a completely original film music composition that was chucked on top of a very funny old film, which Shumit calls the first superhero story in Indian film history of two hapless, bumbling yeomen who get magic powers to become brilliant musicians. Uh, and end up saving the day and getting girls at the end. Just in terms of you know working with with the musicians from City of London Symphonia and someone who comes from a non-notated non-Western classical background, how because you were conducting last night, mm. um, how do you see the relationships between Anne Morphy and, and Ruth Gibson and Violin Viola and, and, and Schumick? Because I mean there was there was clearly not just respect between the different traditions, but an enormous amount of love as well. But how do, you, how do you sort of meld those worlds together? Because it's something CLS does a lot. Yeah, I don't know. And you're so right. It's, it's all about love and care and personal relationships. And, and, and your players um, are just expert naturals at that. Which is something I started off talking to them about as I was trying to get the um, Cormac and Shimmick and sort of his team, his audio engineer, and, and sort of his people who are here helping this happen. And then obviously your team and your players was just that everyone here, this is a natural fit for everyone to just reach across a sort of aisle and embrace a completely different musical vocabulary. And I've seen you guys do that over and over again, just, uh, just watching you in concert. It looked fun. It looked like you were having a great time. We were. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Was there anything, is, is there one bit of the film that really stands out for you, musically or, or visually? Oh, wow. There's, there's one really fun bit which I really liked, which is towards the end of the film, they, the, the, actually, you know, about halfway through, this is how they end up in the employment of this Maharaja. They win a music contest. Yeah. And all these different, very sort of finely regaled musicians are sat around... Um, waiting to audition, and they all tune up. So all the music stops on stage, the live music, and the musicians, the, the string players, tune up and they chat to each other. And it was quite, it was kind of a delayed laugh because it took the audience about five seconds to realise what was going on, and then everyone was like, "Oh, that's that's quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite funny." Well, I was watching it again, as you know, because I'm watching it during the show, and the moment when the two guys meet the King Ghost for the first time early on and they have this, that extended five minute psychedelic that is strange beyond belief isn't it yeah and it's so bizarre and obviously Satyajit Ray is experimenting with what at that moment would have been cutting edge mm. film techniques about how to haze people's faces and how to have negative images and yeah. how to overlap images of people dancing in a forest, but but obviously the actors aren't in a forest, they're somewhere else, so it looks like they're sort of moving between the trees. And Aside from my sort of love of that 
era of experimental filmmaking. It's also my favorite part of the film because Cormac and Schumick just solo. Mm. And the solo is structured for them, but the musicians, the, the, the sextet, Strings and I, are just sitting back watching the virtuosity take place and, and taking in the weirdness of the film. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really surreal but strange and transcendent moment. Next up, every summer we do a residency at St Paul's Cathedral. We play for the Sunday morning services, doing Haydn and Mozart masses. But in the last couple of years, we've extended this and we've played in grand organ galas every year. Right now, you're going to hear from the organist and assistant director of music, Simon Johnson, at St Paul's Cathedral, speaking to our very own Natasha Allery. But first, a few moments of the grand organ itself. Simon Johnson, organist and assistant director of music at St Paul's Cathedral. City of London Symphonia performed here at St Paul's on the 6th of July, just last week. Can you tell us about the concert? Yeah, sure. So um, this was a, a concert that we called the Grand Organ Gala, and this is the second time we've done it. Uh, we did it last year also with CLS. We did the Sasson Organ Symphony back in May. And this year we wanted to try some different repertoire and, and really this, this concert has come about because our organ recitals have started increasing in popularity and that's meant that we can be a bit more ambitious with our programming and, and it's just fantastic to have had the orchestra in. Because St Paul's of course has this uh, absolute yowzer of an acoustic and uh, yeah. so doing any sort of music concert music in there is always an interesting challenge because you just have to think a bit broader sometimes and allow the music space so you're never going to get the performance that you hear on a cd but it, but i think that's a good thing and uh, it challenges the musicians all of us uh, to, to think very differently about the music and actually sometimes find things within the music that you wouldn't necessarily do in other performances, which I think is, is, a, is a very good thing. So, I mean, the fantastic thing about working with CLS is that you can do Handel in one half and uh, Poulenc in the other and Strauss. The versatility is good, and, and, and I know, having done the concert, I had a lot of comments that people really appreciated the, the eclectic nature of the programme. It must have really added to the atmosphere of the concert as well. I think so, yeah, because we had a, what was really quite a popular first half, you know, beginning with the, the, the big Toccata and Fugue in D minor for organ, which of course everyone knows, and then the Handel Concerto, which is delightful and, and very easy on the air, and finishing with the Albanoni Adagio. But then in the second half, sort of the, the, you know, the curtain fell, and there was a very different set on stage, uh, beginning with the Strauss Metamorphosum, and then, then the Poulenc, which is, I mean, of course, has some lovely, delightful touches, but there's also something very deep and meaningful in that piece. The Strauss Metamorphosen is, is a piece that's always fascinated me since I was a, a student and uh, on the odd occasion when you'd end up in the pub and uh, you'd get home late at night and you'd stick that on with your friends and uh, it, was just, it just brings back so many memories of that but of course it's just such a profound piece. And, and uh, yeah, having, having decided on Poulenc this year rather than um, uh, Sasson last year, so of course the Poulenc is for strings and timpani, I thought, well, you know, it would be nice to have one 
major piece in there that uh, isn't with the organ, so I can give the organist a rest. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, there it is. That this is my opportunity to do that piece, and I was so glad we did. And the the the, the players just absolutely. Um, entered into the swing of it completely and uh, they, I think they're having a great time too. Yeah, you said about giving the organist a rest. Yeah. I, think, um, I think that's definitely needed. I mean, it looks like it's quite challenging with all the pedals. That's right. I mean, it's, it's a very uh, physical instrument in, in many ways. You get a good workout, particularly in some of the repertoire we were doing the other night. The other thing we were doing here is that we have um, several different organs. So uh, for the Handel concerto, we used a little chamber organ. And for the Albano Adagio, there's a sort of medium-sized instrument which is on wheels, which we wheeled out. And, oh, wow. and of course, for the Poulain, we use the, the big organ. So um, it's good to have had that variety of organs as, as well. But, yeah. but of course, challenging for the organs because each organ has a different touch and a different feel. So um, yeah, he, he, he had his work cut out. And uh, it was Peter Holder Peter who Holder, was the that's right. organist. Yeah. Yeah. Is he suborganist for? He's the suborganist here. So we have a. Um, a three-man team plus an organ scholar. So there's uh, the director of music, who's Andrew Carwood, who directs all the July masses with the uh, CLS and um, who runs the choir. But interestingly enough, uh, for an in- English cathedral, he doesn't play the organ at all. He's a singer. So uh, after a year of him being here, he brought me in as the organist of the cathedral to run the whole organ program. Yeah. And of course, I have a suborganist, Peter Holder, who's a you know. He's a very fine organist. Unfortunately, we're losing him um, later this year to Westminster Abbey. Um, but he, he's great and wonderful. We're good friends. It's great yeah. to work with him. So you'll be bringing in some new blood. That's to right. The, uh, yeah, to the and a new organ scholar well. too. So the organ team will all be new. I'm starting to feel like a, 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 an old piece of furniture in here now. <laughs> oh, I've really not been here nine years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you were conducting the concert. I suppose it was quite different to being the organist. That's right. Yeah. Um, you're used to being the organist more so than conductor. That's it. I mean, we say. I like to think I'm quite versatile. I mean, I, I've always, when I was a cellist, when I was at school, and, uh, and, and played to quite a high standard, and, and the piano also. And I had conducting lessons, so they were a long time ago now, but um, it's something that's always interested me. In my last job in St Albans, I ran one of the choirs. So um, I, I, I'm never someone who you can pin down to one thing. I think I'm, each, uh, each of the, uh, the various disciplines, I, I think, grow for me by being informed by all the others. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on at St Paul's over the summer, isn't there? Our orchestra is performing in the orchestral masses right. as well. Yeah, yeah we've, got the, we've got two more um, orchestral masses. We're focusing on Haydn this year, which is just wonderful. The most underrated mass composer in, in the world. Yeah. I, I have to say I prefer his, his church music very much to, to Mozart's. You know, it's, I just think he, he really feels it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the orchestration, of course, is beautiful. So we've got that going on. Yeah, we've got two more recitals in our celebrity series. And, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean August is just tourist season, basically. Yeah. Here. So you, you sort of come in and go out and, and leave them to it on the whole. And the choir go away on holiday, so it's, it's, uh, it's a good time yeah. to take your own holidays as well. Just for our listeners here, we're sitting in a um, rehearsal room. That's right. And as we were walking through St Paul's and down through the uh, the bottom bits, through the shop and the cafe, yeah, yeah. it was just full of people, just um, all taking in the surroundings of St Paul's. It's a beautiful atmosphere. In here. I mean, it's, it's it's great that there's so many tourists, of course, because um, they pay our salaries in effect <laughs> yeah. by paying the admission uh, admission fee. Um, so you know these these amazing old buildings really come to life. I mean. One of the great privileges of working here is um, 
is when the place is closed mm-hmm. and you're the only person in here and, and you do your practice and you set up the organ and, and you just get to spend time in this vast space on your own and uh, I find those moments um, special yeah. but of course they, they don't make any money so <laughs> fantastic well thanks very much for speaking to me Simon I know that the orchestra really love collaborating with St Paul's and look forward to playing here all the time we're always delighted to see them and they're, they're always uh, very welcome and, and, and indeed friendly faces here so we, we're very happy to be continuing that collaboration I hope it carries on for a long time Katie Heller and I'm in the viola section of CLS. I've been in this lovely orchestra for a very long time. One of the places I love playing in is St Paul's Cathedral. We play Haydn Masses every Sunday in July with the amazing choir and Andrew Carwood conducting. I get the feeling that over the many many years all the sounds of music and voices are held in the stones of the building and so every time we play we just add more layers. There is something quite timeless about watching hundreds of people from all over the world sitting together for their own private reasons. I'm very happy to be part of this history and hope that it will go on and on. It wouldn't be a CLS summer without our annual residence here at Prowlam Park, where we've been since 2004. We had four wonderful operas this year, La Rondine, Don Giovanni, Katia Cabanova and Zaza uh, and you can hear all about these operas in our Views from the Pit podcasts. But this year also included a special memorial performance which raised over £40,000 in aid of the Rugby Portobello Trust to support those affected by the tragic Grenfell Tower fire in June. It was a performance of the wonderful Verdi Requiem and our very own Elaine Baines, usually chained to her desk in the office, talked about the night and her experience of being let loose in the choir for once. I was really pleased to be able to take part in the Memorial Verdi Requiem at Opera Holland Park. It's a long time since I found myself the baton side of conductor. Normally I'm on the audience side. So it was really special to be able to take part in the concert and sing along. I'd sung the Verdi Requiem, oh God, about 30 years ago with the LPO chorus with Tenstedt conducting. So I had a few days to brush up the notes. So there's quite a few tricky corners in the chorus parts. But it's surprising how much comes back after such a long time. The chorus was absolutely amazing. It was made up of a mixture of Holland Park chorus, soloists from like the last four or five seasons, amateurs like me, and a few rather starry people like the oboist Nick Daniel, who flew in from a recital tour to take part, the composer Mark Anthony Turnage, and the conductor Ed Gardner. Yvonne Howard, who sang the mezzo-soprano part, said she turned round during the rehearsal and she got complete giggles when she saw how many stars were standing behind her. Peter Robinson and Sean Edwards did an absolutely amazing job, especially as an awful lot of people were sight reading. But it's a tribute, I think, to everybody's musicianship and everybody's willingness to give their time and their energy that it was an absolutely magical performance. And the silence at the end, when the last note finished and Sean put the baton down, was electric. Quite often when you get emotionally charged work, you get like two or three minutes of silence while the conductor holds it and then the audience applauds. But Sean held it, put the baton down, and there was still silence. It was absolutely electric. 
last, but by no means least, the BBC proms at the Royal Albert Hall. We were delighted this year to appear in a patchwork passion, part of the BBC Proms Reformation Day, celebrating 500 years since Martin Luther's Protestant Revolution, uh, with the BBC singers and their new chief conductor, designate Sophie Jeannin. The concert featured passion settings in lots of different styles, going from traditional to modern, telling the story of the passion across 500 years of music history from the 1570s right up to the present day. It was the start of a new relationship with the BBC Proms and the BBC Singers, and we were delighted to make a new friend in Sophie Jeannin, who we hope to work with more in the future. Here we hear from BBC singer Rebecca Lodge, CLS Principal Trombone Dan Jenkins, another BBC singer Tom Raskin, and finally Sub-Principal Trombone and Bass Trumpeter Amos Miller. I'm sitting here with some of the BBC singers and some of our musicians. Guys, how's the rehearsal been today? Been great, actually. Very smooth. Considering there's lots of bits to sort of come together, it actually flowed really nicely. I think it was really good to have a chance to run it in the hall and see how how nice it felt. I love the way that you can, the development of of newborn musical style, to put it not very interestingly, is, is interesting to listen to during the whole thing, but also how people will react personally to the story, because obviously it means something completely different to each of the composers, and so they've reacted to it in a different way and used different forces, and um, yeah, it's, just, it's amazing how different. And it's sort of like a crescendo, but the forces get bigger, and um, tonality gets more and more well, interesting, I think. But, yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Since the, you know, both you at City of London Symphonia and we at the BBC Singers are specialists in contemporary music because we do lots of things obviously but yeah we we love to do modern music so i think it gets more towards our, our really preferred choice of stuff when we yeah. get to the gubilina and uh, the macmillan right, which which we absolutely love it's, it's, really it's, glorious. Oh. it's interesting it provides a few challenges that are different to normal concert as well because because it's because it's lots of different styles but as if you were playing a passion of one composer there's no clapping and there's no breaks you have to uh, adjust technically between each number fairly um, speedily because you can't have a surreptitious between, between you know I've got a swap instrument Dan and I have both got the swap instruments at various points and there's no chance to have a little tootle on it while the, the clapping or tuning or anything it's just you would have gone straight in on it cold and some of it's fairly lonely to be honest yes I'm um, playing the, uh, the trombone obviously but also the bass trumpet and I've only got four notes but they're a little bit high so it's four very expensive notes. <laughs> two different sorts of trombones that I'm allowed to play out of trombone for the first. For the early music, which because that's the trombone that was used, and that's got a smaller mouthpiece and a higher range and then I switch on to the normal tenor trombone. The stylistic yeah. things provide challenges for you as well, they singing Yeah, ones. absolutely, yeah, we, we move from that quite spare, plain songy texture in the first two pieces, the, the Valter and the Schutz, to Bach, which is obviously a bit fuller, and then we move into the 19th century, full, nice vibrato, warm, romantic music of the Mendelssohn, and then we're back through the 20th century to a much more spare style in the Yes, with the pet. Pet, the yeah. Yeah. Pet. Yeah. really nice. Is it harder um, taking away vibrato than adding it once you've done it? I think it's it's more about how you use it, I think, because for me, singing it, the pet, because it's very, very exposed, apart from me, I have to actually sing it. 
yes. I can't yes. make a sound that I don't naturally make, but I can make it as still as possible. So it's more that it's a still approach as opposed to a big, vibrant, yeah. you know, sort of operatic sound. Yes, but there's still vibrato in it. Yeah, there's absolutely. Well, the sound vibrates, it, but, you know, that's yeah, how it travels. It's, it's, that's, that's kind of what goes. There was one, if you've got one little solo, solo note that I noticed, which is absolutely dead straight yes. in that rehearsal just now. Yes. So I like to showing, showing the versatility of the human voice. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's really because, Thank you, well, because it also has to grow, because um, the way Sophie wanted us to do it was to, when we have these odd long notes that no one else in the solo quartet has, is to make a feature of them so that they can grow and then join in the next phrase where people come in, so no breath. So if you're going to do a crescendo, you can do that with the tone, not just volume. Yeah. So you can add intensity to the sound as it goes through, which I think is a bit more interesting. Yeah, do, you find, do you find that the other hall provides... I don't know, speaking from a brass place point of view, right? I mean, Dan, you're much more used to it because you do millions of proms. Whereas but, th this yes. year, I'm, this is the only one I'm doing this year, and I, I always have a slight feeling of burliness when I walk into this room. It's, it's so massive, and but you can still, everything you can play, it feels like you're on your own. Yes. No, I think I'd, I'd much prefer singing in here. I mean, where you can feel you can, you've got somewhere to send the sound out into, and it's really grateful. It feels, it just feels much, much more comfortable yeah. to sing this kind of thing. But I think the other thing that we have to think about, which the instrumentalists don't necessarily have to think about, is different languages that we're singing. Yes. I mean, a lot of it is in German, which is very comfortable for us. We do a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in German, but we're also singing in Russian. We are. Uh, which is, is that transliterated? I'm assuming you're not reading in Cyrillic. No, we do. But yeah, so there's always the challenges of that, as well as the stylistic and musical challenges. And yeah. also, when you're doing short bits of something, it's really, I do, you feel the real responsibility for making that bit the best well we always try and make what we do the best we can do but when you've only got a small section it's even more important because you've got nothing to warm yourself yes. into it i do find that sophie's i've not worked with her before she's very zen like isn't she yeah, she's Taking, very calm very calm very clear yeah, we, like she's, that. we like her a lot she's it and she doesn't sort of when she wants to play i don't know from a brass player's perspective we spend quite a lot of time being told to that um and it's quite nice having that too doesn't just give you the full yeah, double, double palm. Really she, she's quite nicely asked us to pick the play quite in a way that doesn't mean you stop blowing because the temptation is if you get that like a two-hander, you yes. kind of retreat and then you then it's it's the it, doesn't actually, it doesn't actually work. And you know you it's can't. No, actually, it's exactly it's the same thing. But also, yeah, yeah. what it's I like about what Sophie does is that she explains why. Yeah. She doesn't just say you're too loud. She says because oh, it's covering the text a bit here, and, on, and this you know, the bases are on their own at this point, and we really need to let them come through the texture. It's not never just hmm. be quiet, you're too loud, which I suppose makes it more interesting yeah, no, for you if you understand. Yeah, you're supposed more, to be listening to. You're also probably more likely to remember as well. Yes. Give me the fact that I've always forget to bring a pencil. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've, I've had one last year. You've been in the profession so long, you see that it just goes in. Just yeah, I'm like a sponge. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys got any uh, standout prompts so far this year? To listen to the Elgar one done by Baron Boyman and the, the Berlin uh, Staatskapelle at the orchestra, right? Which was astonishingly wonderful and amazing. Um, the Kavanshna, which we were in, was pretty amazing too. It was a massive undertaking mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. eight yep. soloists, five step backs from the BBC singers the Czech Philharmonic Chorus of Slovak, I'm just endless choirs and an enormous orchestra and it was very exciting, it felt like a real event, mm -hmm. I think that didn't happen for a few years. That's cool, I, I love all the um, sort of not alternative proms but the different musical style proms like the Joel Mitherson mm -hmm. Oklahoma prom and the fantastic Dizzy Gillespie. Mm -hmm. Ella Fitzgerald. I heard that one, yes. Oh Laura. my, I was just blown <laughs> away. But I, I, that's what I love about the problems is that you can, in, in sort of, almost in one day, 
go from you know the passion that we're doing today, with it, and then an organ recital, and then a big orchestral concert, and then fantastic sort of intimate jazz right. kind of thing. I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love I that. that. I think Schumann too with the series which I watched on television was, was, was that amazing. Really amazing yeah. mm. He's, there's something about him that is kind of oh, always. You just want to treasure every moment. That, you know, you see him or work with him or whatever. He's such a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible, special, special musician. Yes. You know, you're talking about pearly moments, and silence is always one of those things. And as, the, as this prom goes on, there's more and more silence. Yeah, actually. there are lots of silences yes. um, in the pet. I think yeah, that's potentially quite special, actually. I think, and that Macmillan is amazing. Oh, the Macmillan is. It's one of my desert island discs. I have to say that the whole we've, we've been lucky enough to do it several times, and with him conducting. And this, it's how he makes that story that everyone knows so personal, as though you're hearing it for the first time. Absolutely. And the way it ends is. Just heartbreaking. And even, I'm, a, I'm a, afraid to say I'm a bit atheist, but I find it extremely touching. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's what it's someone spiritual. said about the dream of Grontius. It's the same. It can turn you. It can make you a believer. It can make you believe that story at that time. Yeah, yes, that absolutely. And, and it's millions use of silence. I think that is so telling because the tension never stops. And it just how many of those chords are there at the end? Yeah, seven. I want to say yeah, seven. I want to say seven. Seven last seven words. Seven, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was hearing that for the first time yesterday and I couldn't believe how many chords there were and it takes a lot of balls to write that. Yes. And there's so much silence and it's not the last quite chord or a lot of balls to conduct it and play it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things where you have to commit. Yeah. Like, even though it's really quiet, there's <laughs> no point in creeping and going. Your string section sounds very, very Absolutely on the beautiful. Money, they're great. It was interesting you watch Alex, the leader, she's, she's breathing like a singer for those. You see yes. she's going, right. Yeah. Yes. Make, make it come out, yeah. yeah. I suppose there's a difference between a chamber orchestra and a, a, a symphony orchestra. Is the sense that there's a bit you know, there's, there's less play, a few places to hide, and it's a bit more as if your chamber musicians here, like a quartet, but often it's a combination yeah. of instruments means. And talking about Sophie's Zen-like conducting is is one of the, the nice things about a good conductor is trusting you, doing a bit of traffic direction actually, yeah. just then enabling you to That's go and do yes. what you do as a, yeah. you know, as a, we're all accomplished soloists in, in the BBC singers and Anthony's and it's, it's not like you couldn't do lots of those solo lines, but be feeling free and not getting that hand. I think that's yeah. that's what I'm feeling today. It's very nice. Isn't it's that, isn't that a, a real thing about conducting, which I think is the master of as well, orchestrally, is that less is more. And yes. The, the trust is a big part yeah. of that. And it's the sense. right thing that you need to see, the useful yeah. thing for that's you. Right. It's not it's about what looks way. great yes. from behind. It's, no, it's not about that, is yeah. it? It's, it's if you just need a... and you get that, then you can do what you need and to do. Absolutely. Economy of speech, so that if in the rehearsal, you... you, you Look at you have to catch the conductor's eye at a given moment, and she gives you an instruction visually, and you respond to it and do it. They then don't have to feel after then say it when you stop no, exactly. because they're really clocked that you know that she knows and there's yeah, stuff exactly. you know, exactly. Yeah, but it, it is that trust that really enables you to take risks, yeah. I think, and that's what yes. has to happen. I think this afternoon with all those silences and and as you say, the tension keeping on mm. ratcheting up. That if there isn't that trust between the person in front and all of us, then that's just not going to work because then you it turns from being um, spine-tinglingly exciting the silence to being just scary for everyone including the audience and I think audiences really pick up on that yeah. if people well, look know. uncomfortable or feel uncomfortable yes. then they're just like oh no <laughs> you, know. you have to, have to stay confident for your own sake as well don't you? Yeah. absolutely yeah. but it's much easier when you've got that rapport yeah, yeah. and that trust yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
So that was our summer. Loads of collaborations, loads of performances reduced down into a podcast-sized nutshell. Do look out for full interviews with Bill Barclay from the Globe Theatre and Simon Johnson at St Paul's Cathedral coming very soon. Uh, And it's worth saying as well, our summer also included a huge number of participation projects, such as our Laheim project in partnership with Jewish Care in July, going into care homes in North London, which you can read about on our blog. We're really looking forward to our autumn season of immersive performances and interactive projects. We have projects underway already, including hospital visits at Evelina Children's Hospital, University College London Hospitals, and a series of workshops and concerts to hospice patients at St Joseph's Hospice. There'll also be a week of lullaby concerts with orchestras live at the end of October in Suffolk and Essex. And finally, our Modern Mystics series in November and December, a sonic trilogy taking place at Southwark Cathedral, Village Underground and St John's Smith Square as part of the Southbank Centre's Belief and Beyond Belief series. You can find out more about all of these and book tickets at cls.co.uk. You can also keep informed via hashtag Modern Mystics on Twitter, by joining our events on Facebook and by signing up to our mailing list at cls.co.uk. So lots of other exciting things to come this autumn. We'll tell you all about our Modern Mystics series in our next podcast. But thanks for being with us for a few memories of summer sunshine with CLS. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the City of London Symphonia Summer Holidays podcast, featuring CLS musicians Jane Carwardine, Ruth Gibson, Katie Heller, Dan Jenkins and Amos Miller. CLS's Chief Operating Officer, Elaine Baines. Bill Barkley in conversation with Matthew Swan. Simon Johnson in conversation with Natasha Allery and Rebecca Lodge and Tom Raskin from the BBC Singers. Featuring rehearsal footage from King of Ghosts at Sam Wanamaker Playhouse, Grand Organ Gala at St Paul's Cathedral, the Grenfell Tower Memorial Performance at Opera Holland Park and a patchwork passion at the BBC Proms. This podcast has been produced, edited and presented by members of the City of London Symphonia Executive Team.